Hello listeners, uh, before we get on with today's show, we have a message from our supporters over at Mania Club. Established in 2015, Mania Club is a WWE recognised community for people who love to talk about professional wrestling and who travel to events around the world. And during WrestleMania weekend, Mania Club hosts their annual world-renowned tailgate party. Connect with people, learn st- stuff from the locals, and rely on the members of the group to help you navigate through the craziness that is WrestleMania week. Not only that, Mania Club are an organisation that is also focused on charity work and they successfully raised over ten thousand dollars for connor's cure this year amazing stuff indeed and you can join in on the action at wrestlemania weekend as they bring to you the only wwe sanctioned tailgate party located on lot 27 of metlife stadium before wrestlemania 35 the event will feature all you can eat barbecue all you can drink beer all you can drink soda a live dj a live podcast by the new age insiders raffle prizes and special guests Search Mania Club with a location set to New York on Eventbrite or alternatively join the Mania Club group on Facebook. We will also be posting links on our social media to this event and their group so you won't be able to miss it either. Search Mania Club on Eventbrite and buy your ticket today. I don't give a damn about this Paul's reputation. You're living in the Holy Shoot generation. Welcome, shopshooters, to a brand new edition of the Holy Shoot podcast. A podcast that is all about the world of professional wrestling. I am your host, Broderick, and joining me is... The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. (laughs) That's not Dusty, he's dead. (laughs) All right, it's Jason. And uh, and also me, Jason, stealing my gimmick this week. I'm the cream in your podcast, your favourite podcaster's favourite podcaster, the podcast canon, the physical embodiment of podcasting, the Bernie Sanders of wrestling podcasts, the most entertaining man in wrestling podcasting, Mr. Wrestling Podcast, Sammy Podcast, the 72-minute <laughs> man, the podcast event, he's really good at podcasting, the king of podcasts, the podcast, Sam Layton! I love, no! I, I, I love me some, I, I love me some David Starr, and that was brilliant. Thanks, <laughs> guys out there. If you're not a fan of David Starr, you can check him out in Rev Pro in various places. He's brilliant. Look out for Very him. Very good. Wow. <laughs> I, I, on no, no, just I quit. I, I can't ever top that. I can't ever fucking top that intro. <laughs> I wish I thought of that. Still, I decided to go fucking Joan Jet on everyone. Anyway, never mind. Never mind. How are you? How are you all doing, guys? How are you doing? Yeah, quote, pretty good. Quote Enzo Moro. How yeah, are you not, doing? Not too bad. It, you know, there was some good wrestling on the telly yesterday, and also the New Japan Cup is still on. So there's good wrestling on the internet as well. It's a good week. Yes, it is. Um, it, yeah, it's been a good week so far. What about you, Jason? You, yeah, you... I mean, pretty good. I am very busy at work, but I'm looking forward to chatting about some wrestling this evening. So. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, same here. Basically, work, wrestling. I can't remember what I did this weekend, but that's like most weekends. But anyway, coming up on today's show, we'll be reviewing WWE Fastlane 2019, as well as thinking about Kurt Angle's last opponent as it his farewell at WrestleMania 35. But up first is the news. 
news, 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 come and get your news. Yeah, that didn't work. Anyway, uh, starting with the first story that we have for you, PW Insider has noted that WWE has filed copyright claims for Tough Enough once again, prompting speculation that the reality show could appear on our screens at some point soon. Um, guys, would you be interested in another season of Tough Enough? Yeah, I enjoyed the last two. I actually found them really fun. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think it's funny. They've got a bit of a bad reputation because you look at the winners and was it Big Andy and then Big Josh, I guess. It was the big guys that somehow win. I don't know why Vince would let that happen. But when you go, <laughs> no, when you go, no. when you go past the big lads who win it, the actual, a lot of it on the show have ended up being really good. Um, like Oh, yeah, well, if you go back before that, um, you know, Marty the Moth is in Lucha Underground. I mean, they used AJ. He's been on the indie scene and voiced one of the main characters from this last Raw Smackdown game. Or WK, oh, yeah. Whatever it is, he's the voice AJ of AJ Kush. Yeah, AJ and then, Kush. but then you look at the last season, yeah, and you you look past the two idiots that won it, and you actually go beyond it. And, yeah, but I, I was a big supporter of Patrick during that show, and he's gone on to become Velveteen Dream. And you got Mandy and Sonya Deville out of that as well, so... If you look at the actual pedigree of the non-winners, it actually produces good talent. So I didn't watch it, any of the modern Tough Enough, but I'm happy for it to come back if it gives us another Daniel Puder nearly breaking Kurt Angle's arm moment, because that was good telly. I'd, you know, I'd like to see something like that again, for sure. It, it 2004, of, the year it, I started watching Car Crash. Yeah. <laughs> it reeks of something they could ever put on the network or on Fox Sports, I guess, if they were to bring it back. But yeah, I'd enjoy oh, it. Oh, Fox is a good shout. They're, they're looking for more WWE content, so there Fox you go. could be the place it goes to. I hope it's more like MTV, uh, like first season, that sort of brutal show where they who, just literally... Who won the first season? Was that Maven? Was that the yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. Maven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh man, it's just showing the actual brutality for training to become a professional wrestler. It's quite interesting. Was, I I, go back. I think they're on the network, by the way. All the old tough enough seasons, or at least the first ones are. You can go and watch them again. Oh mate, I might do that after this. I might actually do that after this. Yeah, I was just thinking that's a pretty good background show. Eh? You don't have to give it your full attention to to pick, to take it all in, which is good. Do you need to give it all of your attention, Sam? How dare you? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to upset or offend uh, any of the Tough Enough fans out there. I'm not um, a Tough very Enough fan, sorry. So that's absolutely fine. I don't think there anyone really is. Um, that's savage. Yeah. It was good. The last two seasons were very different from the other ones in terms of Stone Cold's thing and then the, like, the talent show, so I'd, I'd enjoy either way. Anyway, let's move on from Tough Enough. I gave it more time than it's needed. But uh, Dave Meltzer has continued to state this past week that Dean Ambrose is still leaving the WWE after April. Do you think he'll re-sign with the company or was it one last motherfucking time? Let's see what I did there. For the Shield member this past week on Raw. Well, I want to just start by saying Dave Meltzer didn't break this story. Wade Keller did and he's the one I'm following for the updates. But he said the same thing. But yeah, I believe he's off. You don't like Big Daddy Dave. I want to give the proper journalist credit if you're going to quote someone. You know, Dave, Dave Wade Keller is the one who should be getting the credit for breaking it and keeping us up to date. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. God. Well, thank you, Wade. I think Dean will probably stay with the company, to be honest. I think this is probably a technique to negotiate for more pay, cynically. But also, his wife is on the WWE TV. This way, he probably gets to see her more than if he wrestled somewhere else. I think that's probably a big factor. So, it would be if my wife was Renee Young anyway. <laughs> so a couple of things that I've seen um, just on the internet. One was basically, I haven't seen the full episode of Raw, but obviously 
it looked like Dean Ambrose was written off television this past um, episode after his match with Drew McIntyre. Also, it's interesting that I read a report saying Renee Young might be taken off raw commentaries at some point soon. I'm not sure how accurate this report is considering it's come from ringside news and you should always take their news from, with a pit, massive pinch of salt. But it, I found it very interesting that she could be taken off at the same time that Dean Ambrose is leaving the company. So I don't think Ambrose is staying, you know. I, uh, yeah, I mean, if Renee Young's going or she's not going to be on tour all the time, then maybe it'll be a different a different thing to consider for well, Dean there. Also think about it this way. Renee doesn't do all the house shows. Or anything like that. She's only going to be turning up at TV. And if Dean's working for, say, AEW, he's got a much lighter schedule as well. I'm sure they can travel around and spend a lot of time together if they yeah, want to. True. Yeah. And lastly, Alexa Bliss was announced on Raw that she, uh, sorry, Alexa Bliss announced on Raw, keep that in, Jason, that she will be host of WrestleMania 35. Is this a moment of bliss or a moment of piss, guys? It's a moment of, okay, fine. Like, is there, have you ever, for any WrestleMania in the past, ever been kind of not that excited about it? And then you find out, oh, the New Day are hosting this year. Oh, boy, it's going to be great. It, it, it's an announcement that doesn't affect anything about the show, I don't think. It doesn't make it better or worse. It's just nothing. Uh, the Rock at WrestleMania 27. Oh, that's true. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But The Rock is definitely a different kind of caliber of star than Alexa Bliss or the New Day. How dare you? How could no, you how could you possibly say that, Sam? <laughs> I know Alexa listens to this podcast, so I'm, I'm really sorry, Alexa. According to Chen. <laughs> I'm sure she'd, she'd say the same, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Jason? Yeah, I think, well, it's it's kind of smart use of Bliss, really. They they can't put in any storylines at the minute that are going to be worthwhile because you can't get wrapped up in the women's title feuds, you know, on SmackDown or on Raw. Everyone's busy. Rather than not knowing what to do or putting in the women's battle Raw, she's a huge star. Why not use her to host Mania? And if it means those two nobodies from Saturday Night Live aren't on the show as much because they realise no one cares, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I... I, I'm with Sam, I don't really care. It doesn't really affect anything. Um, I mean, she'll, she'll come out, she'll introduce the show, she'll appear once or twice, it'll be all right. <laughs> no. yeah, she, I mean, in fairness, she's not terrible on the mic, so it's not like, I know, getting Natalia to host it or something like that, you know. See, after, after Fastlane, I kind of want Elias to be the host of WrestleMania, just him narrating and bad-mouthing everything would be Between hilarious. every match, Actually, that song. would be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Between every I, match, a little song about I, that I, I want Elias to do commentary via song. I mean, <laughs> alternative commentary. You've got two channels well, Michael yeah. Cole or Elias. He's got nothing else lined up for Mania that I can tell, so that would have worked, I guess. It might still happen. It might, it might still happen. Vince, book it. Obviously, he listens to this podcast as well. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Anyway, that wraps up the news. Up next is our review of WWE Fastlane after this short ad break. Hey, you. If you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoe Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoe Pod. Do it! Do it now! WWE Fastlane saw the reunion of The Shield for one last motherfucking time. Becky Lynch head to WrestleMania. Again, Shane McMahon turn heel and Kofi Kingston getting screwed once again. For a predictable show, I thought this was a surprisingly good fare. What about you, Jason? 
just yeah. briefly. Yes, I enjoyed it. It was a fun show overall, but I had low expectations and it easily achieved those, if not, and did better. Fair enough. And what about you, Sam? Yeah, I, I think you're right. For a predictable show, it was really good. I think it shows, actually, you don't really need complicated swerves or big surprises to make a good, solid wrestling show. You just need the right people to do the right things. Yep, and that's our review, ladies and gentlemen. Up next. Yeah, <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> no, nah, I'm joking, of course. Um, for those who have not listened to uh, any of our reviews before, we kind of break it down in Shame on you. order. Uh, and also, don't listen to Jason. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we kind of break it down in chronological order before giving our match of the night, rest of the night, and letter grade for the entire show. So, uh, I'm just going to kick things off, gentlemen. Up first on the pre-show, EC3 spoke. Thoughts? What the fuck was this about? I mean, this was just awful. Just a terrible, terrible thing. Mandy. <laughs> I, I think I've got I'm, a theory. I'll explain in a minute. Weird. But I, I think I missed the build to this. Has he? Because he definitely spoke when he was on NXT. Has he yeah. just on the main roster? He's not been saying anything, or has he been doing it's like a Lacey Evans thing? Basically, he's not been saying anything and being a jobber on main event. He lost to Tyler Breeze in four minutes apparently this week. Wow. Okay. It's... This is a guy who should be like up a mid card at least, yeah, just on his bike TNA top guy. It's rather depressing. I mean, I'm going to give you the big picture of what could be happening here and you could then wear Rigory's complete bollocks but um, just the way they set it up with him Mandy and Sonia and Stephanie previously talking about let's try and do some actual interesting and progressive storylines I'm wondering if there's going to be some weird love triangle here with Mandy in the middle of it and they're going to have Sonia on one side and EC3 on the oh, other and it would yeah. actually it could be an amazingly progressive storyline where they work this relationship through and Mandy ends up going with Sonia or something like that and EC3 ends up being a complete dick and that could be a revolutionary amazing moment but it pulling me nothing and in two weeks Mandy will just kick EC3 in the nuts and the storyline will be over yeah this is the WWE Jason it, there's no way they could tell a story that's that nuanced or kind of subtle I know uh, I thought, I thought, I, I, I thought I'd try and reach for it you know? yeah. no, I mean you totally... the best of people I mean main roster booking bless him is bottom 1% of booking right now so yeah. actually I say that Smackdown's pretty good to be fair so uh... but he was awful on the mic here. I don't know what was going on yeah you know, this this was bad full stop um yeah I, I only meant this as a joke guys I, I didn't mean a proper in-depth review about I mean, EC3 yeah <laughs> but said, we just want so much better for EC3 I think that's what it is yeah I started on tw- our Twitter saying hashtag push EC3 and we should make that a thing like even get EC3 involved push EC3 well, yeah. Let's, if Becky Lynch has tweeted us, EC3 can fucking tweet us. <laughs> anyway, on to the proper review now. And, um, oh, yeah, New Day beat Nakamura and Rusev in a tag team match. Uh, hey, Jason, did you actually watch this pre show yeah, match this I time? W- I watched the pre show. I skipped through any time Coach appeared on screen and had to talk, but I saw that, that EC3 moment in this match. It was a match I won't remember in about a week's time, and I just felt bad that Rusev Day is dead and. You know, it was fine for as people filtered into the state, into the arena, I'm sure, but it doesn't mean much. It was botchy and boring, in my opinion. Um, Sam? I just, I didn't watch it out of sadness, because two of my favourite people on the WWE roster are Rusev and Nakamura. But... This is previous, both, well, Nakamura's held the title belt, uh, and now he is just, like, in a crappy tag team on the pre-show. Yeah, I about to say, he wasn't actually world champion. Wasn't he? I thought he no. had the belt for a bit. No? 
He well, was he was US the best champ. intercontinental champion in New Japan history. And I know what he's capable of, and he, he's just not doing it on the WWE. Oh, I thought he meant world champion in WWE. No. No. Oh, no, I did mean world champion in WWE, but I tried to change tack with nobody noticing, uh, and unfortunately, you probably... I was, was, so was going to let it happen. Oh, this is some moment of the week. Oh, God, yeah, it's going to be every week now. <laughs> it, it's a move, not... No, it's, oh. San Diego. <laughs> it's, it's a San Diego area code, mate, and he's from... Yeah, um, Nakamura ain't from San Diego. I'm that. Googling anything before I say stuff on this podcast now. Usually helps, mate. Usually yeah. helps. Um, but, yeah, shall we move on to... Another SmackDown tag team match, and that is the first match on the main card where the Usos beat Shane McMahon and The Miz to retain the SmackDown tag team titles. And then Shane, he turned heel on The Miz. What? How? Huh? Said no one. Um, was this a good heel turn? I think it, it's not the t- I was expecting a turn, but I was expecting The Miz to turn heel on Shane because obviously Shane McMahon's Shane McMahon and The Miz has been a heel for about 12 or 15 years or something ridiculous now. You expect, so, you expect to The Miz to turn heel? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was really trying to enjoy this match because I thought, oh man, this might be the last match where I get to enjoy Miz as a babyface because I've really enjoyed the little nuanced changes he's done to his act. And then I was watching at the end, the whole time I was like, okay, What's happening? Miz, Shane, Miz, Shane. It's got to be, it's got to be Miz, right? It's got to be Miz, and no, it was Shane. I wasn't surprised that it was Shane. I, I actually thought it would be Shane that's turning heel because Miz has been heel for such a long time. And as soon as Miz came out with the Cleveland is Awesome T-shirt, I thought, oh, you're losing in your hometown and you're going to get beaten up. <laughs> uh, but um, what do you think about the match as well? Um, because I quite enjoyed this match. Yeah, I, it was a, it was a fun tag match, right? I mean. Yeah. I think yeah. it might be down to the crowd because obviously Miz being a hometown boy, but I really enjoyed it. I watched it in two parts because of London public transport fucking up and not getting me to my, my destination on time. But yeah, it was a fun enough match. Strange way to watch like the beginning half and then the following day, the second half. But yeah, it was pretty good. I thought it was fun enough. Yeah, I think my favourite spot was uh, Shane McMahon and the Usos collide, one of the Usos colliding in midair. Um I thought that was a very unique spot, one that I haven't seen. Like, he knows he's going to, that, uh, I think it was Jimmy Uso was going to splash on the Miz. And then Shane McMahon intercepts midair just in time. And I thought, huh. I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was Uso intercepting Shane from doing the coast to coast on his brother. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. No, the thing, it just the, looked like it was a bit messy. So oh. It I thought it could have been even. I can't remember. But either way, it was an interception. It looked really good. I don't care. I thought it was great. Um, and it looked uh, great in an ugly way. It's meant to look like a fight wrestling, and you know, and see that we see something like that done aerially. It's always done beautifully, and this was just ugly, and I loved it. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out and watching Shane sweat repeat, you know, repeatedly, and just be like a complete dripping lack of cardio mess at Mania. That's going to be the main card opener, I'm telling you now. Shane McMahon versus The Miz and a no DQ match. That, for the best that, world trophy. Might oh, be, yeah, they can put the trophy on the line. You're right. The trophy that should might be on be the okay. line. I'll enjoy that, it. Yeah, it's yeah. an all right opener. The Shane McMahon jump off something stupid. He'll jump off that pirate ship. Oh, no, that's next year, the pirate ship, isn't it? Yeah, um, he, uh, won't, he won't jump off the pirate ship then. Yeah. He'll jump off something. Or something. There'll be yeah, something, exactly. You know? He's Shane McMahon. <laughs> I, I just, I just imagine Shane McMahon dressed up as a pirate, jumping off the top of the ship. I mean, it's not that far fetched or outrageous. 
can you just imagine? By God Almighty, Shane McMahon, he just broke he's himself in the half. Plank. And the... <laughs> he's walked the plank. <laughs> uh, this has gone off the rails. It writes itself, anyway. <laughs> yeah. The, the, let's fa- let's know, fancy... By the way, just a quick yeah. joke. How do you know when you're a pirate? Oh, oh. I don't know. How do you know when you're a pirate? You just... Ah! Oh. Ah! Uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love terrible jokes. Anyway, you can't see the, the face script. Brod is doing at the moment, listeners. It's um. The script. You just yeah. are. Actually, he went so still. I thought he just angrily hung up from the call we're using. So, <laughs> moving on. Moving on, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite good, Jason. Don't worry. Uh, moving on, Oscar beat Mandy Rose in what was an odd finish. Um, will Mandy turn on Sonia after looking like she cost God's greatest creation the SmackDown Women's title match? I don't think so. I mean, it was a bit of a cheap and badly executed finish. It didn't look like it was done very well. The main thing that stood out to me was that kick that Asuka gave Mandy in the face. It felt like a receipt for a few sloppy moments over the last couple of weeks in their matches. If you watch Fighting With My Family, they don't teach receipts in Monday of the... I mean... Asuka's from Japan. I bet they had them over there. Just because she's from Japan doesn't mean she can't adopt WWE's ethics. I mean, uh, on on the flip side, what the WWE say on TV and what the WWE do in real life are very... uh, We should know they're very different things. Are they? Are they? Like, you know, uh, maybe... Do you think it was an accident or a receipt? Or was it not Uh, as bad as it looked? It looked brutal. It could have been a receipt. It did look like a a purposeful stiff stiff kick, yeah. Uh, Stop me in my damn head. I don't (laughs) know. I don't care. It's Mandy Rose. Yeah. I, I, I just don't care. I thought this match. I thought this match was absolute rubbish. Um, it's not been a great night for women's wrestling. I'll say that just in advance. But this match was pants. It proved Mandy has a long way to go. Um, I thought the ending was pretty dumb. If I'm honest, her tripping on the ring apron. It set the know, ring. It didn't even look like she tripped. She kind of stepped on yeah. it, and it wasn't in position. Yeah, it's it was just. Good. Poorly executed. I did and... enjoy Corey Graves calling. There's no rules against holding a kendo stick at ringside. That was good. Probably yeah, that, that was that was a good call. That was one of the better calls of the evening. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure why they continue to split, uh, tease the split of this team when they've just implemented a women's tag division and they're quite clearly uh, better together as a team, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I just thought this was a very disappointing match, to be honest. It all just ties into my bigger, big storyline with EC3, which won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Mandy. Uh, oh. I, I've never... His first word was that on the main roster. Jesus. Anyway, so let's move on to the next segment, which where we saw the New Day's Big E and Xavier Woods with Kofi Kingston there as well. Politely argue that Kofi should have a WWE title match to this Mr. McMahon. And then Vince agreed. Or so it appeared. He told uh, Kofi that he would be competing in a triple threat match, and that was happening right next after that segment. And yeah, yeah, he was put into a handicap match against the bar and lost. This was brutal, but was it brutal in the right way, gentlemen? Um, it's worth adding that in the pre show, they had the additional tease where they had 
um, Kofi being summoned to Vince's office before that segment on the main show. So they did that, and the li- you could hear the live crowd reaction when they announced that was really positive, and they thought, great, he's going to be thrown into the match. Yeah. So they, they really set it up early as well for this like bait-and-switch by making you expect it to happen and then making us wait an hour for any update. So they had that as well. But, yeah, it was... It did seem odd when they said, oh, we're going to have that match next. I was like, really? You're having the the world title match second on the show? This smells Third. fishy. Oh, third, sorry, but yeah, this smells fishy. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought it. Sorry, Sam, do you want to? Oh, speak? sorry, I was just gonna say, it's just, I just thought it was a weird angle, a weird way to get sympathy for Kofi, or to make Vince McMahon look like an ass. I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah, I thought it was brutal. I thought it was a really. I actually thought this was a brilliant angle to really make Kofi look like an underdog, and Kofi sold all this like a champ, obviously. Um, pun intended and the, I felt the booking was spot on the problem itself was the actual match which was just dull it looked like Kofi offered um, no fight whatsoever and it also um, potentially hijacked a match later in the card as well um, but yeah it, the crowd were chanting this is boring and that's just something you don't want to see uh, can I just yeah. add to this? I think the I'm, I still have the over the biggest story here, where I think this ties into the Vince storyline. Where I think they're doing a Vince is crazy or a bad leader these days, and he's going to be leaving to go focus on the XFL. And I still think they're building up some storylines that Steph and Triple H are babyface running the company going forward, and Vince is gone. I'm, I thought you were going to tie into the EC3 Mandy Rose <laughs> yeah. love triangle. No, you know what this needs? It needs some New Day and needs a bar. <laughs> it's going to get really complicated. Uh, no, I think I think Vince is going to be coming off of TV to focus on XFL, and this is tied into that as well as Kofi's Mania match. Yeah, I, was, I think you're probably right. It I was listening to the review, and just was to remember, they made the quip that, oh, the bar Rusev and Nakamura is just another League of Nations. And I was like, That'd be terrible. Oh, oh my Poor god. Rusev. It wouldn't surprise me if they went down that route. But at least he gets a team with Seamus again, which, you know, they're best friends in real life, so you know, that'd be pretty fun for them. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the positives. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Moving on to something we saw uh that was really positive actually. Uh we saw another tag team match player. Uh the revival beat Rude in Gable and Black and Ricochet to retain the raw tag team titles in what was a really fun triple threat tag team match. Scott Dawson pinned Chad Gable after the shatter machine, but it was Black and Ricochet who stood tall at, after the match. I just realized in my script, ladies and gentlemen, just a little behind the scenes. <laughs> I missed <laughs> out tall as tool. Uh, T-O-O-L. Oh, I dear. spotted it earlier and I didn't say anything because I wanted to see if you'd just read it without commenting. I just read that and I was like, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> um, so guys, did you think it was a fun match? Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I can go into more detail, but yeah, really good. Wow, okay, cool, Sam. That's that. Yeah, no, yeah, I thought it was a good match. Very fast-paced, the revival, uh, you know, they're brilliant. They are just brilliant tag team wrestlers. Uh, they deserve that that title of tag team specialists, and they deserve the titles on them as well. Uh, Rude and Gable as well, extremely good workers. And Alistair, what? Well, what else is there to say about Alistair Black and Ricochet? Monsters. Yeah. I think I said uh, when we were watching it, Ricochet is the only wrestler for like years where when he was hired to NXT, NXT's ratings went up and stayed up. Yeah. And then I mean, they'll go down. I really enjoyed this match. Um, like I was building on that, I think 
Alistair Black looked great. He hit some amazing strikes and rope moves. I think he looked like a star doing that. And Ricochet is like, oh, anyone else? Oh, you guys are on the outside, the usual spot. Nah, screw it, I'm Ricochet. I'll grab Dawson and do a Hurricane Rana onto you all from the top rope instead. And then later on, I'll just leap straight over the top rope onto people. Some crazy yeah. stuff going on. I mean, so the tone buckle. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, some great guys in this, the Revival, a great tag team. Um, everyone loves Ricochet and Black. Gable's amazing. I guess there was Rude in there as well, you know, trying to keep up with the other five. But it, yeah, really good. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was a 30 minute match condensed into a 10, 15 minute match. I thought they got a lot of stuff in. And, you know, that match was like value for money. I think this is as close as you're going to get to a takeover match on this card. Um, in terms of style as well, which is something I really loved about this match. I the only the only thing I'm disappointed about was the right the revival didn't have the moment they wanted Alistair Black and Ricochet to look strong, understandably so. But yeah, I kind of hope Black and Ricochet get like drafted to separate brands after the um, Superstar Shakeup, just because I don't really feel them as a team. It uh, just singles wrestlers. Yeah, and I'm not really buying into them as a team. Uh, yeah, they, they don't. I mean, they they can do that lovely little thing where one of them flips off the rope and the other one sits there and crosses his legs, but that's about the only team thing they do. They don't have any moves together or anything. They're just on the same side. It's just a, it's just a weird partnership. I wouldn't yeah. put those two guys together. And their characters that... don't gel, like gel either. They don't have anything really in common other than they both came up from NXT at the same time. Yeah, uh, I think because the spot was meant for DIY originally, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, what happened to Tommaso Ciampa cost uh, both him and Gargano that spot. So, from one show stealer to potentially another show stealer, and that happened straight after this match, obviously, which Samoa Joe defeated Rey Mysterio, Andrade Cianamas. Yeah, I'm still calling him Andrade Cianamas, and Rey Mysterio to retain the United States Championship in a fatal four way. Uh, whilst this was a rematch from SmackDown, I was actually okay with this being a rematch for once. What about you guys? I have two major questions before we get to the match. One, can anyone understand what Artif is rapping, around, rapping about on the way to the ring? Uh, oh, yeah, he, he says you can get with this or that, but you have to say what's up. That's basically the gist of his lyrics. What's up? What's, what's up? up? What's That's, up? What's up? That's his thing. And then the other thing, why does Ray's mask say mask on the side of it? In case he gets confused or yeah. his mask? It's, it's because he came out to a house show with his underwear on his head once. <laughs> and he never wants to make that mistake again. It just looks so odd. I was like, why did it say mask on the side of his mask? <laughs> I did not notice that. Oh dear. It really stood out to me. Like I was watching it. I was like, I'm just distracted by this now. And I was trying to think, is there something on the other side, like Ray's on the other side? So he was claiming it as his own. So it's yeah. car or someone didn't grab it by mistake. Yeah, it's like it's children who have an L and an R on their shoes. So they yeah. know which foot to put them on. But it's I, just one. I, I still have that. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I, rec- I reckon on that house show, he might have put the mask where his underwear should have been. I think that would probably be a more sufficient explanation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is uncomfortably tight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but onto the match. <laughs> just a strange yeah. mental image there. <laughs> um, um, Broad, as a big Eddie Guerrero fan, what did you make of the Free Amigos tribute by Almas? Uh, it was good for a mocking way. That is the problem with the spot is he's already done that on SmackDown, so it's not really anything original he's doing there. 
So yeah, I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, he's doing that again. He's he's mocking Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I don't I don't watch SmackDown all the time. So I must have missed that impression. Yeah, yeah. It's one of Andrade's many encounters with Rey Mysterio. So, but yeah, I I think whilst it wasn't as good as the Fatal Four Way that happened SmackDown on Tuesday, I thought this was a really fun match. Still, I really loved that. What I preferred about this match compared to the SmackDown match was this match allowed to be more focused on all four guys and allowed all four guys to get their offense in rather than just focusing really with Ray and Andrade with R-Truth and Samoa Joe as, like side, as a side order to that match um, to give it a weird food reference. So I, I really felt that this Fatal 4-Way was more... It allowed everyone an equal share of offense, uh, which is something I actually enjoyed. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, I thought all four guys in this match looked at, like absolute dons. Um, and they all got look. Yeah, they all look really strong. Uh, even though ultimately it was Samoa Joe that went over, and he looked like a complete beast destroyer, just oh. chucking people around the ring, throwing he people over like a the beast. top rope. Yeah, love, choked out Rey Mysterio in about ten sec or two seconds, super quick. And even our truth in this match was busting out all of his. Like I haven't seen him do stuff like that since he was K Quick in did, TNA. Did you notice he was the channeling of Cena where he was doing Cena's like five moves? Oh, a yeah, yeah. Guy every time. I I thought that I thought is that just him playing on the whole US challenge thing that he's been doing? Or is that a little Cena Joe hint? He's no. been kind of John Cena since he was a little boy. Yeah, that, that's a story. Oh, even, Jason. even though even though he's older than yeah, John Cena, he's yeah. like six years older than John Cena. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's been doing the US Open Challenge, mocking. Uh, well, not mocking John Cena, but saying, oh, yeah. "My childhood hero is John Cena." You're 47 and Cena's 41. It doesn't work, truth. Uh, but yeah, I, I only our truth. I'm hoping because I want to see like Cena versus Joe would be a great mania match. Oh um, yeah, Sam. The thing is, you know, Ray tapping out in two seconds. I thought that was a bit weird. It was too. He tapped out way too quick or passed uh, yeah. out way too. Quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he could have held on a little, a little bit longer. Yeah, it's um, passing out and um, yeah. I think the only thing that would explain it because it it seems like such a rookie error from Rey Mysterio because he wouldn't like immediately pass out and he wouldn't do that. I think they probably. I think maybe the producers rushed the referee saying, hey, you literally got to finish up in one minute. And I think that's probably what they did. Okay. Um, there. I think that's the only logical explanation I could think other than just really bad booking for that finish. But, you know, um, it was still a fun match, really fun match. And uh, shall we move on to something that isn't as fun, gentlemen? Yeah, yeah that let's sounds... tackle it. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, so um, back to the the night of bad women's wrestling, unfortunately, and uh, the Boss and Hug Connection defeated Nia Jackson Tamina to retain the women's tag team titles in what was apparently a wrestling match. Yeah, call the Samoan be- Slaughterhouse Broad. Call them by their proper name. Come on. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> the beatdown angle where Nia uh, afterwards uh, saw Nia and Tamina stand tall over the Divas of Doom. I I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even I know. Actually, that. I didn't even know they were a tag team. I did not even know they were. Oh a yeah, tag yeah, team. they're called the Samoan Slaughterhouse. The Divas of Doom is a better name, though. No, no, they stood tall over Natalia and Beth Phoenix. Oh, they, they, the Divas of Doom. They were a tag team back in the day. They were the original, like we are the big power wrestlers compared to all the little girl wrestlers. That was. A but I don't back. remember that. I yeah, don't. It, that. it was on Raw. I can't remember how long it ran for, but yeah, they had those two together. Were. They were probably beating up the Bellas or something. I'd have to go and Wikipedia it to know for definite. But yeah, they definitely had this history. Uh, 
Yeah, anyway, it was certainly interesting, apparently. Um, this is going to lead to a match that nobody wants at WrestleMania, I can assume. It's hard to imagine it on the main card, isn't it? I yeah. They're going to make or care. I, I guess we're just not going to get Trish and Lita. I think that's basically it. And they've just said... Wonder. So now we're going to have the Boston Hug versus Nia and Tamina versus the Divas of Doom. And apparently the Iconics teased something on the pre-show or this new watch-along thing that they had for Fastlane with Pat McAfee. I don't know. But apparently the Iconics might get involved in this angle too. But, wow. I am so uninspired. I want to just say one one good thing. I think Bailey was on fire in this match. She was head and shoulders above everyone, working so smooth, fast, and with real purpose. She really stood out. That suicide dive was just... It was between like the first and second rope, so it's actually a very difficult dive to do mm. when you think about it because it's like you have to go low to make that dive. Yeah, I think she uh, was she was on fire. I loved watching yeah. her in this match. Yeah, I I miss Bailey in singles competition as well. I like proper matches as well, not just more and more tag team matches. But yeah, ah, uh, the, the amount of botches from Nia and Tamina were unreal in this match. Is my favourite. Was um when they're beating down Beth in the ring, and Nia was like, "I'm going to squash her," and I'll bounce off one side of the ring, and then I'm going to bounce off the other side. But Tamina's holding onto the ropes, and I've nearly knocked her over, so I'm going to stop and go ha, and then just drop my legs. So, oh, that whole thing was pointless because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I was listening to a reaction to that, and it's like that's one of the first things you learn in wrestling school is not to be on the ropes when someone's about to run into. And I'm like. Oh Jesus! How did they not know that? Like even I know that, and I fucked up wrestling class. <laughs> were, you, were you worried about Beth's phone when she dropped it? That was like I know um, Liv Morgan on Twitter was saying the same thing. It's like you better not step on her phone. That was my main concern during that beatdown. Oh, I didn't even notice the phone because I was I too busy falling asleep. Yeah, I was just thinking, wow, th- this. I thought this match was going to be bad. And it was worse than I expected. Yeah. I mean, to have that... low expectations and not even exceed that or even equal that is... I mean, to do a Brian Alvarez, minus five stars! I can't do it properly, but, you know, it See, is, I can't it is minus five stars. I can't match Bailey. Bailey, was, Bailey was so good, I don't think you can be that harsh. No, but... I'm not. I'm excluding Sasha from the criticism, but Nia Jax needs to go back to NXT, and Tamina should just be fired at this point. She is awful, a charisma vacuum, yeah, terrible wrestler who offers nothing. At least I see potential with Nia because when Nia's had a good match, it stands out, and it is actually like she's usually carried either by someone like Sasha or Bailey or whatever. But she she can be carried to a reasonable match. She can it's... be carried. She can hold herself on a decent angle where she doesn't have to speak that much. Tamina is the epitome of rubbish. To give Nia Jax some love on this, I mean, like you say, in NXT she was better. I went back and, on a recommendation from um, Heather, who I interviewed the other week, I went back and watched Bailey versus Nia Jax at TakeOver London. And good. they did it so well, the David versus Goliath. And Nia Jax, she didn't try and do too much. He was just a big monster against Bailey, who was trying to chop her down. And Jax was great on that, doing that role. Yeah. And that's the way to do a kind of a David and Goliath match, isn't it? The monster shouldn't actually do anything because the story, or really very much at all, because the story you're telling is if the monster gets their hands on the little guy, then the little guy's fucked. So you don't have them do many moves. And yeah, Nia Jax has done angles that I've been interested to see, but not this one. Yeah. And the team of Beth Phoenix and Natalia, 
who fucking cares really like <laughs> yeah. is there anyone tuning in to see those two wrestlers no no the it's classic wwe hot new angle hot new tag belts women's tag belts first time for 30 years but we'll just do the traditional wwe thing of making a really convoluted and boring story yeah yeah and back on the point of bailey this was the time when bailey was like the queen of nxt and could carry anyone to a good match, including Carmella. Not that she needs carrying that much these days, but that that was a time when she was just a manager. Eva Marie, she even got a decent match out of Eva Marie. So wow. it's no surprise that Bailey versus Nia Jax was actually quite good. Yeah, yeah. It is 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 Bailey versus Eva Marie. When I said it was decent, I mean one and a half stars. But that's the highest star rating I can ever give Eva Marie. But um, yeah. Up next, Vince McMahon followed through on his promise of a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. But it was Mustafa Ali, not Kofi Kingston, that was added to the match between Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens. Mustafa Ali, he took the pin in this match following this crazy knee strike in midair from Daniel Bryan. And Bryan retains the title. The people chanted Kofi, was this a mess or was this really good in terms of booking and the match? Just your thoughts in general. I think we should talk about this kind of in in two sections or segments or whatever. First of all, there's the setup for the match, which was nonsense bollocks, and then there was the match itself, which was fucking awesome. And 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 what what is the booking team thinking? What did they think would happen putting Mustafa Ali in this position? When did they just not listen to the crowds when Kofi was doing all his stuff earlier? And they or were they actually trying to get him booed? I don't know what's going on there. I can imagine Vince just going backstage to himself like, huh, the people, the people want coffee. Surely they know where the concession stand is, pal. <laughs> but in this other flippy guy, they won't know the difference. Flippy guy, yeah. They love flippy guy. <laughs> I just felt really bad for Mustafa Ali because he is really good at wrestling. And he makes a really, really good baby face. Like he, when he gets hurt, he sells it really well. He always looks like he's fighting as hard as he can to win, like pushing through pain and stuff. And you really get behind him because his facial expressions are really good. But putting him in that spot just meant the whole crowd was gonna boo him the whole time. I don't think they booed him the whole time. I think they, the fans got more and more invested into this match as it went along because, quite frankly, it was a fantastic match. Um, I understand. I, I mean, I think the plan was really originally to have Daniel Bryan versus Mustafa Ali at Fastlane, and then at WrestleMania to have Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens. And because the fact that Mustafa Ali got injured, Kofi has this wave of momentum, and the excuse to bring back Kevin Owens early, I think it's going to allow. I think they're allowing these three guys to have this match now, and then. It's either going to be Brian versus uh, Kingston or Brian versus Kingston versus Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens wasn't involved in the pinfall and was probably screwed out of the title by well he was screwed out of the title by Eric Rowan so there's that as well as a potential storyline arc I think I think it was just unfortunate that the crowd booed Mustafa Ali um, I think it would have been better in a storytelling standpoint to have Kingston get beat up but still drag himself to the ring. 
and just be almost like a non-factor because he's that beat up. But at the same time, I think this match was so much better than anyone could have anticipated. So, you know, who knows? I think um, it reminded me slightly of when Rey Mysterio came out to the Rumble and everyone wanted Daniel Bryan. And this time they did the whole, yeah, you're a fan favourite, similar kind of guy, but we wanted Kofi. So it was a bit awkward for him there. Um, I enjoyed the match, though. Um, I think, you know, definitely, you know, Mustafa's a great guy in the ring. The thing that that for me was when Daniels did that top rope, or I guess Ali was, Mustafa Ali was on the top rope and Daniels did that drop kick to him and he flew oh, yeah. to the outside. That was just, am- there were some amazing spots like that in this match, including yeah. the finish. Yeah, I like. I really like the uh, 450 onto the ring apron as well. I thought. Oh that was yeah, awesome. I mean that was that was, was great. There's lots of those kind of. Yeah, ones. and then I think Kevin Owens did the cannonball off the apron, and then one onto the barricade. I can't remember which way the opponents were around, but I thought that was great. And then uh, them flying into the Timeskeeper area, I, I was just like, so many crazy spots. I need to rewatch it to remember them all. But yeah. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of spot fests, and I'm not the biggest fan of triple threat matches because sometimes they are poorly executed because you're like waiting for one to come in and then one to leave. But I thought they all three men worked really well together, and I think actually having Eric Rowan interfere made a lot of sense as well because it means it can keep Kevin Owens looking strong going forward. And I think Kevin Owens will be in the WWE title match at WrestleMania. I was going to ask you, do you reckon it's a multi-person match, like with these guys in it, and maybe like we're talking Kofi, depends what they're doing with AJ and Randy, you know, is it going to be yeah. one of them, or a six-pack challenge so, or something? No, it won't be anything ridiculous like that. I think it'll be up to four people, and I would think it'll be these three guys plus Kofi, but I can't really, I can't really see it beyond four people, because AJ Styles, Randy Orton, they're going to do their own thing after that Elias angle, which I haven't put in the script. Whoopsie. Um, yeah, I think... I think it really depends what happens tonight on SmackDown. We'll, we'll have a clearer picture, to mm. be honest, uh, before we can speculate properly, we, because it's crazy, the, the booking right now. For we, yeah, yeah. If we just address that quickly, yeah, the Elias thing, that made... Why did Randy Orton attack Elias? They're both heels. And then oh, they yeah, I forgot that happened. <laughs> I know they I keep forgetting, his... Randy Orton's a new big show. Right. He switches between face and heel. He was a face for a little bit, and now he's a heel going, I don't care. I figured they yeah. just wanted to have that match with AJ, and it was a chance to have AJ then attack him, and they're both having a bit of an argument about being top guys, but it made no sense. Either way, it'll be a fine little match at WrestleMania. I think that's... I, I really don't care about that segment at all. I mean, um, Elias is fun. Um... Yeah, it had Randy it. Orton in it, so I just instantly switched off. He's yeah. apart from his finisher, which he is good at timing, so that it surprises you. There's nothing interesting about Randy Orton, and or, and there hasn't been since I've watched WWE. I know he had a lot of in- he did exciting stuff in the past, but I just don't see it. He didn't do exciting stuff in the did past. He legend killer. Everyone always yeah, this everyone always says, "Oh, I he mean, was the legend killer." He the was exciting great. stuff was the punt that was quite good when he was pure evil and punting people in the face. I'll give him oh, that. Okay. <laughs> That, that Randy Orton Triple H storyline at WrestleMania 25 until that actual match was really, yeah. really fucking good. But yeah, they missed a beat with that one. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're, t- we're getting distracted, guys. So let's go back on track onto the fast lane to the end of this review. Uh-uh. Onto the second last match. Yeah, oh, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry. Even I was like uh, halfway through, I gave up mentally on that one. 
Becky Lynch beat Charlotte Flair in a match thanks to uh, Ronda getting Charlotte disqualified with the throat punch to Becky whilst Becky was about to be in the figure four. Becky Lynch is going to WrestleMania. I'm already bored talking about this. Yeah, it happened. It's... I didn't like the finish, but is Becky still injured? Like, how bad is Becky? Are they, I mean, they're hoping she's going to be fit for Mania, but is she still injured and it's limiting what they can do in these matches? No, she's not. Well, it's a storyline. There's yeah. no injury at all. I've, I it, just wonder. Uh, it's, 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 complete, it's a complete and utter storyline. No, there's no injury. There is absolutely zero injury. They wouldn't, I mean, if there was even a tiny injury, they'd not let her in the ring. They'd not let her work a match where Charlotte's attacking the injury the whole time if well, yeah, she was really yeah, injured. Charlotte's surely. a good worker. She's not actually going to be hurting Becky. And I'm just saying not it's like right. a they've... terrible look, but she might have still be having something lingering and they're just waiting for it to heal up. I just not thought right. maybe that was what was going on because they did so little. and it, Well, maybe it's all just storyline. It's all just storyline. The fact that, I mean, she, she's taken, I mean... She's taken a beating from Ronda. She's taken a beating from Charlotte in the storylines. It won't target it. And no, it's, it, I mean, it's all storyline. It was I mean, storyline until Ronda came like, out, you know, and went off the way The way she's hobbling is bloody awful. But yeah, um, that's my big criticism of Becky. Like, you can't sell that injury if, for shit. If, if Ronda uh, hadn't come out and, like, you know, broken the script and, like, ruined the match, what do you reckon would have happened? I don't fucking care. Yeah. I, <laughs> Don't fucking care. I mean, it's simply, I, well, I, I, I get the booking. They want everyone to look strong for Mania. Yeah, this this booking is so bad that I don't want these people to main event anymore. I'd still enjoy it. I still want to see this in the main event, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll see, see how it goes. In yeah, I want to believe they can bring the story back around before Mania. Uh, they didn't, they didn't do a good job by all accounts. But yeah, this match was poor. It was really, really poor. I've already said what they should have done, which is... You can still have Becky win the Rumble. You can have Charlotte go back into a match to make a threat match. And then you can have an awesome match where Charlotte wins. Bam. Yeah. There you go. A lot of people are happier. And instead, they've over-convoluted this mess. Uh, we, we aren't saying anything absolutely original because a lot of people are saying the same thing. And yeah. it's going to cost them in the long run with this stupid booking because it's making... I mean, Charlotte's... Charlotte's going to be fine because she's getting booed out of the building but it's going to cost Becky Lynch uh, and I think it will cost them the main event this story will cost them the main event I feel like we need uh, kind of a, 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 a phrase or a label for that classic WWE booking where they have a really hot exciting very simple story and then they fuck it up by making it incredibly they complicated unnecessarily it. yeah <laughs> vinced it there you go they vinced it up um, <laughs> it might not be Vince um, it's probably Vince McMahon. I mean it probably is Vince McMahon even if it's not it's fun to blame him for everything yeah and, um, I mean he doesn't listen to this podcast definitely because he definitely doesn't listen to the fans oh god damn it well, you the only like... podcast I like pal and it just slagged me off <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine Vince Stop understands what bitch. podcasts are I bet no. Vince is like what podcast people just talk and listen he's been listening to them every day for years but he doesn't know what they are like burritos (laughs) what is this burrito cast you're talking about pal uh and from one big dog to another uh lastly the shield reunited for one last motherfucking time as they beat baron corbin drew mcintyre and bobby lashley or as i saw on twitter earlier today the three-man bland (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Um, uh, just want to ask you before you go into 
did they actually get the, the uh, motherfucking one more time on the live edit? Because I watched the catch up when it was clearly this mo time. Uh, I, yeah, it was. De- I, I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, sure. I don't remember. I think they. I heard <laughs> they did say one last. It was clear that it was one last motherfucking time, but yeah. I think they cut out the fuck part. Um. It's the yeah. three-second delay, I'd imagine. Anyway, you're ruining my fucking intro to this. Sorry, thing, mate. I thought you'd done your intro. Carry on. So, here. you've got the script. I'm not looking at the script. I'm looking at my own notes. He's going Calm into business Ronda for himself, bro. <laughs> Calm down, Ronda. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Vince Russo fanboy. Uh, anyway. Ooh, that's harsh. Yeah, you, you brought in Vince Russo scale, not me, pal. But anyway, Roman pinned Corbin following the triple powerbomb, and it ended happily ever after for the Shields one last motherfucking time. Question, is this one last motherfucking time? Well, first of all, it's not the Russo scale, it was the Russo meter that I invented last week. (laughs) (laughs) It's important Um, to get these things right. Details, details, pal. Okay, so... um, I think this was, like you say, is Dean written off TV or coming back to sell like he's been beaten up? I feel this should be the last motherfucking time. Yeah, what else is there for them to do as a unit, really? There's no, like, their heel, the heel team in this is so randomly thrown together, kind of in short notice. I, I don't, yeah. I Sorry. wish the Undisputed Era was called up instead. Yeah, or if the Undisputed Era were called up, then they could feud with the Shield. And that that would be something maybe, but yeah, I don't think I don't think we're going to see it anymore. I think this was a greatest hits sort of farewell tour. Yeah, this was. I mean, enjoyed you enjoyed the match though, right? Yeah, it was a fucking great match. Uh I thought the first couple of thirds were a bit bland, but the final, like the final third of this match, was really really good. I mean. I for me, the stuff with the brawl outside the ring was awesome. The triple power bonds were great. Corbin getting his comeuppance at the end was also fun. Roman being back? I mean, that's not... Well, just broad, you know Roman being back? Did you find odd that how they really didn't play the first tag up? I thought they were going to build it up for a while and give him a real hot tag. Oh, and yeah. he kind of just tagged in for Seth and did some moves. And the crowd didn't react as big as they would have done if they built that moment up more. I felt like they missed an opportunity there. I don't know if you guys felt the same. Yeah. Yeah, I did think that was odd. But... Yeah. I actually didn't think I didn't notice it myself, but now that you pointed it out, that is a good point. They kind of missed an opportunity for a pretty big pop there. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point you made there, Jason. I think that's a wasted opportunity, but at the same time, maybe it's just a case of Roman just trying to say, "Hey, I don't kind of want to get back to business, you know? Yeah. I want to be part of the team." So maybe it's that. But yeah, um, but yeah. I've, Back to the point, I was about to make the end of the match really elevated this match for me and it reminded me why I loved the Shield so much when they debuted. Just the chaotic nature of how their matches break down all the time. It's, it's, it's formulaic, but it's a formula that I I'd, enjoy. I'd forgotten it. They basically just maul their opponents as a trio. Then when they take someone down, it's the clubbing blows, it's the it's the moves they do together. You don't no one else yep. does that, and it really stood out to me because it's been a while. Yeah, it's yeah. I think when I've when I saw this being the main event, I was like, "Fucking really, a, a pointless, a pointless fucking throwaway six-man tag match." But after watching, it, I was like, "Yeah, th- this was the right match to main event, in my opinion." It was yeah, definitely. I think, so. I think for Sam, you said it was the greatest hits of the Shield, and yeah, absolutely, it was. It's from the entrance to the end, and it was a good way to, I guess, end the show. 
Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it was an exciting match to put on last. So everyone goes home happy. I really enjoyed my favorite bit was when they were fighting in the area they used for the pre-show. And it took us like a little while watching mm. it to realize that that was the table they were brawling on and stuff. So that was quite fun. Oh, yeah, yeah I forgot about good. that already. Yeah, I forgot that was a fucking pre-show table. Yeah, that was really good. And Seth Rollins' dive onto all four, all, all three oh, members yeah. of his teammate Ambrose. I thought that was really good. And I really like the fact that it's so chaotic that, I mean, Kevin Dunn never really deserves a lot of credit, but I actually like the padding nature. It's almost like overhead. It's like, oh, my God, they're brawling over here. Let's go back to the ring where it's Roman and Corbin, and let's go back. I, th- I thought that was actually really, really good. It made it, made it feel like a war. Yeah, it's, it a, it's a great shame that, I don't know, well, obvious, for obvious reasons, they couldn't build it up too much because they weren't sure when, that, when Roman Reigns was coming back. But... It was a great shame they couldn't build up Corbin, McIntyre, and Lashley a bit more. Just so, you know, it it would have been a better payoff than just that happy end. It's like, yay, three dastardly heels get the beat down, but they're just three man bland, baby. Sadly, yeah. Yeah. So, does anyone want to add anything about this uh, terrific main event? No, I think. No. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. yeah. Like you say, shout out to the production team. I think they made it look like a proper fight and not like something like a televised package, which was really cool. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, guys, um, going around the room first is what was your match of the night? Let's start with you, Sam. You're the guest. For me, I think the U.S. Championship Fatal Four Way. Um, oh. I really enjoyed that match. I I like all four guys in it and I especially I think part of the reason I enjoyed it so much was it was nice to see R Truth have a match where he was actually good again. Um and you know to be reminded that he has got actually genuinely a really cool moveset and he does more than just kind of stupid jokes. So that was good. I'm not even that big of a fan of R Truth, but that that was yeah that match for me. Brilliant. Uh what about you Jason? There were some really good matches on this show at a very similar level. The one that I actually enjoyed the most was the Raw Tag Team title match, the men's title. Yeah, I, th- I think that was also a fantastic match. Um, we're going to go different opinions here because mine was a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. I really enjoyed uh, the chaotic nature of that match. Um, I mean, they're, they're all good matches. Yeah, I mean, this match had four or five good matches. Five good to great matches here. I think we're very blessed in the show. But um, yeah, we'll go on to over, overall grade before um, before we get on to our overall grade. Uh, who's the MVP for the show, Jason? Who's your MVP? Oh, it's hard to pick, right? I think I'm just going to... The one I've gone with is Ricochet, just because he hit the most amazing spots of all the crazy stuff I saw on the show. But it was hard to pick one. Sam? Yeah, I think I've I read the script uh, earlier and I've spent pretty much the whole of this afternoon trying to think of who my MVP was. I don't know, really. Samoa Joe, I thought he was really good in that in that fatal four way. If I have to pick someone, I enjoyed seeing him chuck all the smaller guys around and look like a machine. Yeah. I am going to be cheesy, mainly because. I'm like you, Sam. I really couldn't pick one off the top of my head. Here's a lot of fantastic performances, but nothing that stand out, but not in a bad way for once. Uh, I'm going to go for the big dog, Roman Reigns, just because I'm glad to see him back. I'm going to be a mark here. I was tempted to be cheesy, but I thought better of it. 
Well, you know, so, someone has to fulfil the uh, Stilton of <laughs> the group, you know. That, that could be my nickname, Stilton Sutherland. Lays on the cheese. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's really bad. So, so in keeping with your nickname then. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> Moving on, anyway. Moving on. Great for this show. Rod, I'll ask you, what was your grade for this show? Oh... Uh, you know what, I put down B- in my notes, but I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give it a B. I think it was a really... There's so many good moments that it kind of outweighed the bad, which was a women's wrestling. Um, as a bad, bad night for women's wrestling, but aside from that, every match was good, in my opinion, outside of that. What about you, Jason? I have similar to you. I think in B- or B, I guess I'll be generous and say a B based on the nice things we've just said. Fair enough. And what about you, Sam? So I think I predicted a B minus last week, and I think this show exceeded my expectations, but not by too much. So I would say a B minus plus, if that's a grade you can have, somewhere between a B and a B minus. Wow. Um, Inventing grades. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You're barred from the show. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'll try and go less off script next time. Boo! Not that hard, Fine, it's Sam. a B. I'll give him a B then, a B. Good, Sam. Good, <laughs> Sam. You're, you're unbarred. Anyway, that wraps up our Fastlane review. Up next is a speculation fantasy booking segment regarding Kurt Angle's final opponent at WrestleMania 35. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at watchwrestling.london or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the Meetup page. It was announced on the last edition of Raw that Kurt Angle will have a farewell match at WrestleMania 35. Following loss after loss in recent times, the Olympic gold medalist, who did it with a broken freaking neck, is retiring at this year's Showcase of the Immortals. So we decided it would be fun to speculate on who his last opponent should be. I will start with a rumour from Meltzer that John Cena will be his last opponent after Kurt Angle was Cena's first opponent back when Cena debuted on SmackDown in 2002. I'm going to say I'm not against this idea. What about you guys? It makes complete logical booking sense, and it would probably be a fun, not very hard match. So I, I don't know if I agree. So I think the point of like a retirement match is that you should put over a younger up-and-comer who's kind of could do with the rub of putting a legend out of out of the business or or whatever. Like Shawn and, Michaels put Undertaker uh, over. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, sure. No, <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, yeah, it, it should be like a passing of the torch moment. Cena doesn't really need that, so I would put this suggestion to you. What about Jason Jordan? Oh, I had as a potential feud. So, Have a father-son angle there. He's my, retired. So, but building on that, even if like the same Jason Jordan's retired, my one I think it should be was Gable. Oh yeah, again another good feud. 
And it, oh. but it would never happen. But I was like, similar to what you said, it, it, give someone something amazing. And now Gable seems to have gone heel with Rude. Have him beat Kurt and have him beat Kurt in his match. The only thing is, does it matter? Because Kurt always loses now. So Yeah, that's true. So here's why I'm... Uh, okay, so here's why I'm not a massive fan of either one at the moment. Jason Jordan, he's pretty much retired at this point. Like his neck issues are worse. He's been out for over a year. Okay, I don't. I don't think he's coming back. He's a backstage producer and apparently highly influential and creative right now. So good for him. Uh, but I don't see him coming back. But I would love to see Angle versus Jordan. I would love to see that match. Um, Chad Gable. I just uh, love Chad Gable. I mean, I, imagine look, the rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, but. I don't see it, to be honest. I they mean, he's a good wrestler. He's decent on the mic. But I don't know. I just don't... When I see him, I just think, you're lacking that something. You're lacking that yeah, it's star fair. power. And maybe fair. it's WWE's booking, but I think he... I think it was two years down the line if he had a solid build in the mid-card and he'd build him up, build him up, build him up. I think, you know, I wouldn't be against the idea. But, you know, um... Yeah, I, I think they needed to like have started work on this months ago. If that was the plan. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, I don't, I'd love to have seen them do. Build. I I'm gonna say this though. It's interesting that Finn Balor lost his Intercontinental Championship last night. Oh, did he? Uh, I didn't see that. Who do you? Yeah. Who do? Who do you drop the belt to? Booby Lashley. Oh boy. I'm like I don't want to go off and off tangent too much. But it does make him available, I guess. But I don't. There would be no sense for that that match happening. Turn, yeah, turn make... him heel and make him the heel demon. Yeah, I just think they've got no way to make that happen in time as well. And also, it, nobody thinks that Kurt Angle could beat Finn Balor in a match. Yeah, if that the result of that match is a dead set. Like it's a, it... it's a retirement match, though. So you know, like how about? Um, the other idea I had was Samoa Joe because it's a US title match and he just he destroys Kurt Angle because they can also reference their history in TNA oh yeah so I mean the problem is Kurt Angle is locked down onto Raw yeah right? does that mean fuck all Samoa Joe is locked down on SmackDown because the US mean, Championship that means so. fuck all Kurt Angle was on Raw because he was the GM he's not on there as a wrestler uh, he, that way. I mean Kurt Angle hasn't appeared on SmackDown so oh, yeah you... but... Uh, Kurt Angle only long. appears on Raw. I mean, I know that I know the brand split's gone to shit with this NXT stuff that they've done the past few months, and Shelton Benjamin appearing on Raw like fucking and what? Matt Hardy on SmackDown and, and Kevin Owens on SmackDown and Big Show on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I did think Samoa Joe to be fair, but mm, I don't know. I think I think. I'm not sure where. I think the US title will be in a multi-man ladder match. I think that's of, what... There's potentially a lot of multi-man matches, and then Kurt Angle gets a singles match. It's a bit strange. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here's one: Drew McIntyre. I know he's probably facing Roman Reigns, but it does make sense because Drew yeah. made Kurt Angle tap out. Yeah, he destroyed him. I don't see there's any interest in that. Kurt Angle has like one last fight in him. He wants to rise like a phoenix in the ashes. It's like it's like Rocky Balboa, the sixth film. You know, it teaches Drew some respect, and then you can have Drew as a face turn or something like that. Throw this one out there. I asked my wife this question, and she said he should face the Undertaker because neither of them can move. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I I do have the Undertaker noted down. It's like they can just stand there and stare at each other. Both of them retire. 
Both of them retire. Yeah. They just embrace and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> There's no wrestling. They just embrace. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the more we talk about this, the more I'm kind of realising there's really no good pick. Kurt Angle's not enough of a threat, apart from John Cena, because yeah. why not? Cena needs to do something. But I mean, the, the, there's no Kurt Angle's not a big enough threat that he could put over anyone, really. There's nobody who's like below him on the on the ranking of the WWE ladder Kurt as Hawkins. a first. Yeah, Kurt. Oh, I noted that down as a joke. I did. Oh my god, Kurt Hawkins in the name Kurt on a pole match. Yes! Fuck it, Vince! (laughs) I would actually want to see that. I want to see that more than anything now. (laughs) Being serious, like we said, like how low he is. I don't think anyone gets anything from beating Kurt at this point. That's why I can see him and John Cena. You can reference it being John Cena's first match, Kurt Angle's last. And why not? Because it's just a a showcase match, right? You put it on in the middle of the show, everyone's happy, it's over. The other ones I had on here were Bobby Roode, because TNA. God no. I know. I don't get why you hate Bobby Roode. He he was I, in your favorite match last night uh, in Fastlane. So you know, shut yeah, your mouth. He was the least important in the whole thing. I mean, Bobby Roode. He's a very functional. A match that would put me to sleep, but I would not be able to fault the actual move movement they had. I'm sorry, Bobby Roode is definitely slightly more interesting than Randy Orton. He's glorious. <laughs> Maybe Bobby Lashley. I mean, they, they've had each other, you know, a rival in TNA, I think. It's kind Maybe. of hard with the IC belt now on Bobby, though, isn't it? So it's hard to see them doing yeah. that. Yeah. EC3? He's busy he's just curving up Mandy and being strange. He's busy, yeah. being, he's, be, he's busy being on the main event, not, not the main event. Just make it a battle royale and have AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, EC3, uh, fucking the Hardy Boys. Go with all their, like, ex-TNA people. Oh, I will, Jeff uh, Jarrett, get him in there, uh, why not? No, oh, my God, Kurt Angle versus Jeff, Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett. Oh, Jesus. Ooh, I think that's it now. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah, you could have him in, like... Karen a... Angle on a pole match. Oh, oh God. No. <laughs> no. You have a King of the Mountain match, but they have to put Karen Angle... The... They have to put hey. Karen Angle at the top. Remind me what a King of the Mountain match was. Was that the one where they all they start in the ring and then they have to fight out the ring and then they have to fight back in the ring? No, again? that's a reverse battle royal, which makes oh, no okay. sense. No, the King of the Mountain is basically they have to get the title and then climb the ladder and put the title onto the oh, it's a reverse ladder match. So it's like a backwards yeah. ladder match. I mean, but equally I, I quite Yeah, but I quite enjoyed it in a stupid way because it, you, they also had pinfalls where you put people into shark cages for two minutes or something like that, which made it more enjoyable but we're doing that cut angle versus jeff jarrett in a king of the mountain match no cut angle versus jeff jarrett versus aj styles versus bobby Roode versus the hardys versus ec3 versus samoa joe okay i i, I take that truth. that's k quick oh yeah <laughs> oh we could have, we could have xavier woods as consequences creed oh yeah this is yeah. mate we've, bobby we've, booked, this. Well. we've, okay, we've booked the match you could have drew mcintyre reprise drew galloway yeah Oh, wait, this is incredibly high on the Russo meter. Oh, my God. So many guys in as well that don't really have anything locked down for WrestleMania yet, and we've all given them something to do. We've solved it. Yeah, Vince, give us a job. We have fixed WrestleMania, guys. (laughs) The world's worst booked (laughs) WrestleMania has been fixed. The Dixie Dixie Carter Invitational Battle Royale. Love it. Uh, Oh, throwing, throwing Drake Maverick as well. 
just realised he's in it as well. Oh, I don't yeah. want to hear any other suggestions. We've come up with the solution for Katanga's last match. A complete clusterfuck of TNA legends. <laughs> I was going to say Sami Zayn, but, you know, never mind. Nah, that's boring. We've, we've booked it now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that wraps it up, guys. I, I, I was going to put any of this in a Twitter poll, but this TNA King of the Mountain match is just the fucking best thing I've ever heard on this show. So, uh, yeah, that should... that. We'll put some ideas on a Twitter poll for you loyal listeners and you can have some fun with that um, about who should be facing Kurt Angle his last match at WrestleMania 35. Anyway, that wraps it up for this edition of Holy Shoot. Join us next time for Jason's fantastic interview with Heather Bandenberg from Eva Lucha Britannia fame about her new book, Setting Up an All-Women's Promotion, Her Career and More. But in the meantime, remember to subscribe to us on all good podcast outlets, drop us a five-star review where possible, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Holy Shoot Pod. And to play us out is a B is B plus by the B plus players. Enjoy. And that's the bottom line, because this pod says so. Style as a curtain jerk jobber, name away the mid card father. Went to Japan and heard my name. This place is a different game. Say I'm just a B plus player, but I'll show all the naysayers. When I kick you in the throat, where the flying go? Yes! Because I am the American Dragon and I say yes!